when you were talking with uh, Charles, you were basically saying that at ADCC, there was a whole bunch of stuff that you saw. And you said that some of it you won't go into detail on, but then you stopped talking about it altogether. And as an actual good interviewer, my brain goes, well, what was it? Don't just just fucking introduce it. Tell us what it is. The nose bears, isn't it? It's probably the nose bears. I guess Craig Craig has uh, made it very clear what what the theme of the after party was. What is up, everybody? It is your friendly neighborhood BJJ podcast, Rafa Spars, coming to you with another great installment of The Grappling Hour. I hope that you guys are ready for a jam-packed interview that we got going on today. Our guest is a beast. Dude is an excellent ADCC competitor, a trials winner. Some might say ADCC darling. I don't know that I would. I would just say he had a really good performance at the last one, and he became a fan favorite. And we'll find out why in a few more seconds. But first, before we go any further, if you would do me a solid, if you haven't become a member already, go on over to high.page backslash grappling hour and become a member of the grappling hour community. If you want to get early access, five bucks a month to see these interviews 30 days before anybody else, 30 days, think about that. You could find out this information now while all those other yahoos, freeloaders, if you ask me, are waiting the extra time to get these extra good, good episodes. Now, if you want to pay a few more extra dollars, then you can get bonus content like extra episodes that aren't available anywhere else, tape studies. And when I say extra episodes, we do mini-sodes on a certain topic. Sometimes it's steroids. Sometimes it's talking about uh, athletes who have respect for other athletes who they've competed against. It's always something new. We switch it out every six months or so so that we can get a full structure version of what our friends have to say. Also, you can join our Discord where we basically uh, encourage some discussion and talk about topics that will likely be on this show. Also, like, rate, subscribe. All right, now that I'm done with the formalities, let's get to our guest. What do I say about this gentleman? Well, first of all, he's very kind to be taking time out of his schedule to do this. Uh, He lives very far away. And when you live very far away, coordinating schedules can be a bit of a bitch. But he's taken time out of his ability to go to sleep, to chat with us, not just about his time at ADCC, not just about his time at Polaris or his championship runs over at Grapple Fest. We're talking with the man who shares a passion of beating up people with the same kind of fervor that I do, because I've seen this dude hit a certain move that I hit all the time, but he's a respectable athlete and I'm just a host. So I have to ask when we bring him onto the show for the very first time, one, Owen O'Flanagan, how are you hitting a Boston crab? And what is the approach that you take to your variation of it, sir? Uh, well, <laughs> That was a great intro. We need to up our intros. Uh, <laughs> so I like to go from the leg lock positions and then try to force people belly down. I feel like that's like a pretty good system. The only like thing is it takes ages. And also there's a good, good chance that you like face plant really hard when you're, when you've got control of both your partner's legs. Like one guy watched me do it to a couple other people. And then I sparred with him and he was like, no, I'm not having it done to me. And he just like, did like a push-up and a leg press as hard as he could at the same time, and I had to let go of his legs and post my hands in front of me to avoid being face-planted, and that, at that point, I, I kind of toned it down a bit. So, uh, listen, I mean, obviously, you can see behind me, this is Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, so <laughs> I have always been an appreciator of a sharpshooter, and people hated me because I'm not great at jiu-jitsu, but I'm really good at hitting nonsensical pro wrestling moves because I probably started doing that first. And as a result of that, when I hit the Boston Crab, my approach is usually this. Reap, triangle, lock the leg underneath their leg, use it as an anchor. That way, because you're still young, when I'm trying to get up, 
I am now looking more and more old when I'm trying to finish this move. So it's definitely like people are like, yo, Raph looks dope. How long is he taking to hit that move? It's it's going fast. Um, but the way I avoid the face plant is once I get to here, I do that hand out posture. And on a good day, I'm getting both legs. But uh, I'll settle for that because I tell people, I'm like, listen, here's the reason why I do it. If you're doing jujitsu well, you're probably not going to get caught in it. Yeah, I feel like all they have to do is an up curl, isn't it? And they, and they, they go like in between your legs the right way instead of the wrong way. I think something like that, if you do it slowly, like it shouldn't work because they all have time to just get their head out. You have to do it with like maintaining a, fo- a bridge all the time. So there's always like tension between their chest and the floor and it just like, I don't know, it's a very hard move to hit really, <laughs> realistically. Like if someone's not shit. I th- yeah, I think that's the hard part is is that I am hitting it on people that aren't bad for my level. It's different when you're your level because you know you're not exactly going to hit Mason Fowler with that, but you're probably going to hit him with a sick heel hook. So that's kind of dope. But on my level, I notice that once I get the reap, I just look at them like, "Hey man, what kind of jujitsu are we doing today? Are you going to escape the right way, or am I going to finish this?" Am I going to get some some dumb shit and finish? Yeah, yeah. I guess you just you feel it out pretty quickly though. Most of the time, like <laughs> if, not, if it's going to be a round full of dumb shit, or just if you got to like actually try, I guess really hard. Uh, well, I also am pretty petty, so if somebody tells me I can't do it, that's like the number one thing I'm trying to do, and I'll like zero in focus and be like, no, it's happening. I don't care how. I'm going to give up five different moves, but I'm going to get this. Yeah, I'm I've been enjoying like catch wrestling moves recently, just like random little toe grabs and stuff like that. Just stupid moves that actually tend to work quite a lot. And then, and then just smother chokes as well. Not really sure it's smothering so much as just like breaking someone's nose, but it's, it still works. And also that like, I don't know what to call it really, but like you get to a really, really high amount and then you just like sit on their upper chest. Uh, that was a move that, Key one showed Key one Gracie is uh, Roger's cousin. He showed me that move, and yeah, great move. That's probably my best piss take move at the moment <laughs> of all time. Where did this start with for you? Because for me, as a pro wrestling fan, it was my only offense for a little bit. But you're actually pretty good at this and have other things that you can do. But when did you start entertaining this? Is it out of boredom? Is it out of training with the same people? Or was it just that you saw that it was so effective that you said, oh, fuck this. I'm going to make their life miserable because it's fun to me. Yeah, it's that. Well, it's, yeah, it's fun to me. Like, that's the same as, it, I don't know, doing the same stuff all the time gets boring. Uh, and yeah, like, it's. I guess you never go into it expecting it to be effective. But I've actually found some bits of it that are not from the Boston Crab. I feel like that's mostly like, pretty useless although you can kind of force people to turn from it but yeah the amount thing there are definitely some effective bits that i've learned from it like putting the feet like directly on the hips and just learning to keep your feet on the hips when people are bridging basically just going to a really high amount it's actually very hard for people to escape if you do it like if you do it well i'd say like main major problems with it would be people swinging their legs in front of your chest you know that like super noob mount escape where they swing their legs in front yeah that's like the only annoying bit but yeah, it's just, it's just a very satisfying move to hit. And it's like a legit good control. That's what's up. Okay, so let's kind of figure a few things out. Uh, we share an appreciation for that. But I also was kind of, uh, in the intro, discussing your ADCC run. And I know that you said in uh, one of your podcasts that you're not sure if you're going to have to do trials, but that your strategy is to just not bring it up and ask a bunch. So that way there's a likelihood that they'll just invite you. Where did you come up with this strategy? Well, I feel like historically the top four from each division were uh, given an invite. So I'm just going (laughs) to... I'm just going to assume that the status quo is continued and uh, won't ask any questions. If it comes to, let's say, before the second trials, and there have been loads of invites and I haven't been invited, I'll probably do the trials. But I'd like to avoid that if I could, especially because like, 
it's just in the same country. It's in the same town in Poland three times in a row. So I'm not really. It's not even like a tourist thing for me anymore. It's just it would just be purely like twelve hours of jiu-jitsu <laughs> separated with little pauses. I just like that you thought it out enough to be like, it's not even that you wouldn't get a disinvite or they wouldn't give you attention. It's just a mm, if I bug them too much, it has nothing yeah. to do with my jujitsu. <laughs> I should just lay low and wait until the very last second to get a ticket or to register for it. And I thought to myself, oh my God, that's exactly what I would do too, where I'd go, fuck dude, I'm going to screw myself out of this slot. Yeah. So I'll just, I'll just be quiet and just like, if it comes to, I'll do, I'll do the trials, but ideally I'll just uh, carry on as I have been. Uh, what a, what a very smart low key version of uh, a strategy. Just kind of duck and cover and hope for the best. Yeah, it's also the easiest, which is probably why I'm actually doing it. Hey, listen, dude. I mean, you had a really good run. And I, I heard you telling a little bit of a, a story about the ADCC after party. I'll get to that. Because you said there are some things that you can't talk about. And it's my job as a journalist to push those buttons. But we'll get to that. So I'm going to give you time to prepare your statements or manufacture the <laughs> stories. But yeah. what were you feeling like at that venue during those matches because you very quickly became a person of interest to the jiu-jitsu community. Every year there's kind of a breakout star and I know it's hard for you to look maybe introspectively and figure you're a star, but to a lot of us who are watching this, there was a lot of momentum of, do you see this guy? Do you, do you, do you, guys, do you guys see his match? When does he go up next? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I guess it's like that in a lot of competitions like people would already greet you in the uk even if it wasn't adcc so that that feeling is wasn't necessarily completely new but i guess hearing it in a different accent is definitely new uh like people wouldn't say like people just go like flanagan like nice job bro and i <laughs> and that was it basically as, as i'm walking around so yeah it's funny but also like I was also that was basically the first day, and I was aware that there's another two two matches the next day. So I was trying not to celebrate prematurely, which would be foolish, I reckon. Like that's why, same reason why I don't really go on my phone much when it's competition day because I don't want to be distracted or get myself too too guessed over people congratulating you in that. So yeah, at the time I wasn't really like you know basking in it too much because it was just like oh, I'd rather just. I'd rather just do my matches and then see what the result is before prematurely celebrating. But yeah, now I guess, yeah, like I got recognized once in the street by some random guy, which was super weird, but <laughs> in general, I'm not getting stopped like in the street and asked for autographs. So it doesn't feel like it's not actual fame, you know, it's like Mark jujitsu fame in our, in our small cult. I'll put it to you this way. Jiu-Jitsu fame isn't real fame. So I'm very glad that you have that perspective that helps to keep you, I'm sure, very focused and on the task. That doesn't mean it's not happening, though, because, yes, people are picking up that momentum. I know the cheers were very loud for you when you were competing, and I'll get to that in a second. But I did detect a little bit of an accent on that was that supposed to be an american accent that you were doing or like a random yeah, yeah. dude bro because well, it's not bad again. but i'd like to hear it and understand a little bit more of your approach to it what flanagan yeah the way they said it yeah it was yeah. just some i don't know who he was just just like many people would just go flanagan bro like nice job nice job bro <laughs> I, I like it they were drunk so obviously it's not going to be the best accent but no, it's great. Yeah. It's just, I love the <laughs> nasal choice for it to be like, Flanagan, how are you doing, man? Yeah. I enjoy you. Like, like nice I don't job, know bro. too many nasal bros that I, I see in my time, but you know, it's odd the way that you made it sound. I'm like, I might know exactly the person who went up to you. So that's what I'm uh, saying. It's, yeah, you, you know, the type. It's not, <laughs> it's not like a specific to America thing, but he did have an American accent to be fair. But yeah, you know, the type. He was like mildly drunk, probably, probably had like a, <laughs> a sparkler on him or something and just, yeah, just there for the good time and fans probably didn't even train. So when that is happening though, I know you're staying eyes on the prize. That's great. But you were having a really good run. Like 
they were at least following you. And I'm sure even after the fact, you were able to look at some of the videos that Flo was able to put with your name on them. But let's be real, like Shanji, Mason, and then fun matches for us to watch uh, after that as well. But I mean, like those weren't exactly the easiest of people to be thrown at at the very beginning of a tournament. Well, I thought Shanji was probably a good choice for me. Any like not that I chose it, but like I would have preferred to have him probably over anyone else, just because of like leg locks and that. And then, I mean, after that, realistically, I thought that Giancarlo would be one of the better better people. Like people always said that he was a dark horse and this and that. But I don't know if you look at the Charles Charles run, like he won the, a really competitive Charles, and he did it basically just like with dogfight and that sort of stuff. And it looked, it looked so different to what most people were doing at the time that, yeah, that, that, and I saw that he was very active before that. I, I was thinking more about Giancarlo and like, yeah, I hadn't actually, yeah. Mason Fowler, I guess just play conservatively and try not to let him get to your back. Cause, uh, yeah, it's not really, it's not really up to you whether you tap at that point. Yeah. Mason's so, all sorts of ridiculous strong as well. So, you know, for as yeah, technical exactly. as he is, I've, I've seen that dude basically camel clutch uh, Craig Jones at fucking Submission Underground. And I was like, damn, yeah, bro, twice. that looked fun. Exactly. So I'm not, I was just like, the plan with that was just play guard, don't get, <laughs> try to leg lock him and like basically try to annoy, annoy him. And it worked like magnificently. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to get my spine broken in some, some bullshit back bridge. Yeah, no, and I mean, the good news is at Submission Underground, he got that position starting off with it, but it did tell the rest of us, like, don't let him do that. And uh, Yeah, exactly, yeah. And he's a friend of the show, so I just remembered messaging him after I saw it, and I was like, bro, I don't think I can grapple with you. Like, even, like, for shits and giggles, I... Yeah, just just ridiculous, like... Like, it's also Craig as well. It's not like he's doing it to just, like, I don't know, some random guy who's pretty strong in your gym. It's like Craig's very technical and also ridiculously strong. So how did that work? I actually want to ask him about that genuinely because that was a interesting finish, to be fair. Uh, well, I asked him about it, and it's on my show. So you can go back and check nice. my episodes. I guess that's, that's the... Is that on one of the free ones or is that the... No, no, it's free after 30 days. Get the fuck out of here. You're about to plug your fucking BJJ Fanatics and you have the nerve to ask me about a $5 fee. I don't know. It's, it was a great intro. It's, it's stuck in my head. Hey, listen, dude. I will tell you this. I'm happy. I can write you out a couple or have ChatGBT uh, write you out a couple and then you guys can be off to the races. I think everybody has to have their thing. And when I watched your podcast, it seemed like your thing was you were walking in on two dudes who were already having this conversation anyway, and they just handed you two mics and just said, go. Yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, yeah, because we do the weights beforehand each time, so we have been having a stupid conversation. Like, a lot of the time, we've got to tone it down for the... Uh, podcast because people would just think we're like mentally ill or something if we if we just continued our, our normal conversation so yeah we have to like that's why i think we need the questions really because otherwise it would just it would just be a ridiculous podcast like not not really worth watching but maybe maybe entertaining for like five minutes yeah our thing i guess is just a really long awkward handshake at the start and charles tries to burn my hand over the candle so <laughs> why is he trying like what 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 is happening there because I've seen handshakes before, and now that you bring attention to it, yeah, I did notice that as a recurring theme. So is there, like, an actual, like, Sylvester Stallone approach of, like, trying to crush the hand? Or is it just to be like, I want to make sure you're still doing the strength training drills properly? Because if you didn't, we're going to do another set? Like, what's going on there? It's just it's just alarming for people if you, if you shake their hand weirdly. And it's entertaining. It, it wouldn't just be me and Charles. Like we do it to basically everyone that we shake hands, unless it's someone you don't know or someone like who's, who takes themselves seriously. Then maybe you wouldn't do it. But in general, we give someone like a super weird handshake and just just see how they react under the, under the pressure of an awkward handshake. I mean, that's great. I would tell you guys this. Uh, I'm glad that that's more the emphasis rather than crushing the hand because if you ever do it to me, I have a pretty good deadpan face. So I'm used to people doing dumb shit. 
And I don't think I always do everything right when it comes to all this stuff. So I just come in with the firm like, how are you doing, sir? You can yeah, do all you the moving the around. Handshake. You can do all the moving around. I'm not doing that. And then at the end, you get an awkward job. handshake. We'd give you the awkward handshake and we'd just, I don't know, a, a slap on the shoulder, for example, off to the handshake, like you're, like you're sending your son off to school or something like that. <laughs> I'm glad that you have such specific scenarios where you're like, no, no, give him the, head it off to college or university. <laughs> give him the, yeah. give him the uh, off you go, son. <laughs> So what made you guys want to start it? Because let's figure out the dynamic here. This I didn't know. When you guys refer to each other as brother, I didn't recognize it was yeah. the Hulk Hogan connotation brother, not like, actually, this is my brother. Because the confusing part is you combine the first names and then it's your last name at the end of it. So very confusing. Charles Hogan experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh well, the brother thing is like people say brother a lot because there's a lot of like uh, I guess it's from religion, isn't it? From like people who are like highly Christian or highly Muslim, they say brother a lot. So yeah, we adopted that. Uh, what was the other question? Oh Jesus! All right, he got so hung <laughs> up on one, he forgot the other one. There was a two short part question that I had on this. It was a, t- so it was a two how part, this, wasn't it? How did this become a hey, thing? Because it. you guys. Yeah. Uh, what is the relation? Like, what made you guys come together? Yeah, so we yeah we started the uh, training. Like, first Charles was asking me for private lessons. So Charles Alan Bryce is my PT currently, and the person we do the the podcast uh, I do the podcast with. And yeah, at first he was buying private lessons off me during COVID, uh, and then we started swapping like private lessons in jujitsu for weights private lessons, and then eventually we started a podcast, and I don't even remember why, but. I'm pretty sure maybe he was putting up posts or something on Instagram and he was getting loads of questions on, on the Instagram comments or something like that. But yeah, I, f- I think the goal is to make money off of it. And like, I think finally we've got the YouTube thing where like you need to get a certain number of hours watched or something like that to make money off of it. So yeah, we, we got, we got to that threshold and we made like 20, $20 or something. So yeah, nice. Not not bad. I mean, with that kind of money, dude, yeah. woo, you're going to be beating a lot of yeah. jiu-jitsu podcasts in no time. We, we spent, uh, I think, like 1.4K on the mics and the, probably even more than that, on, on the mics and the, and the camera. So, yeah. We got It'll, it, you, know. you made an investment, sir. Okay? Yeah. And let me, let me say this, because you have the ability to cheat, and this is why I don't like you guys in particular. Because... You're good at jiu-jitsu, and he's strong. So what you're really missing out on is the fact that if you guys put up a technique video, that will do more numbers, and over time, people will come and watch either you talk or if you bring in more people for interviews. But like those are two very, very uh, high-commodity resources. And when I'm doing my stuff, it's always got to be like, hey, somebody said something, or... Here's what I thought was funny. But I also have certain rules that I play by for my own self. I have my own dumb Batman rules where I don't really do anything super salacious because I hate that bullshit. Like, I'm not trying to milk certain things. But if somebody says something that is interesting, yeah, sure, we'll put that out. But you don't see me, like, uh, flaming out something to be like, ah, Gary Tonin says, Gore never eats dinner and does steroids. Like... I don't, I don't really yeah. do that. If I'm going to ask Gordon about steroids, I've done it in person already. Take that rest of the internet community. So what I like to know <laughs> is if you guys were looking to do that originally, how are you able to do it after lifting? Because I hate all things that are not jujitsu athletically that you almost have to beg me to do other things like lifting or prehab. The last thing I'd want to do is get on this and talk if I was lifting heavy things. After. Mm-hmm. After it, though. Really? Well, directly after lifting, because it's probably one of the worst experiences I have of the week, twice a week. Although it's pretty fun, like, to some extent, and the numbers are nice, but, yeah, it is horrible, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, directly after it is probably one of the highlights of the week, given that you've just done something you don't enjoy, have a bit of endorphins and that from your from your lift and yeah can look swell for the camera i guess 
that's like ideal time for me. And it's also the only time, like I, I literally have no other free time in my schedule. So my like, days are basically packed morning to night. Well, I say morning, I wake up at 10, but, but from 10 a.m. to like when I get back at 10 p.m., it's basically packed. So there's no, there's no other time for it. It's got to be after the weights. Make sure I wrote that down. He said endorphins, which in translation, steroids. Got it. Okay, great. That's the clip I'm going to go That's with the then. The post-training post, uh, steroids. That's the one. But like, I think the reason why is because you're saying that you're getting a natural high even though you don't want to do it either. I just – my physical therapy guy – when I work with him and he's trying to get me strength and, uh, strength and conditioned, <laughs> when I'm doing it, he almost has to beg me to do it. And he's like, hey, man, come on, dude. And I go, because you're asking nicely, I will do this shit, even though I'm paying you. And this fucking sucks, dude. But like, he's gotten battle ropes at times and like told me, like, we're going to do battle ropes. And I'm like, what am I, Brock Lesnar? I'm not doing this bullshit. You do it. Or he'll be like, get on an exercise that. bike. And I go, I don't want to. No, we don't do that. We're not, we're not doing fucking battle ropes or, I don't know, like hammer swings or any of that stuff. It's just no, normal weights. And to be fair, like, I don't have to go. And, like, Charles, I'm not paying Charles. Like, he's doing it for out of the goodness of his crippled black heart. So, so you know, if I don't show up, that's basically my loss. It's that's enjoyable. Fair. And also, his encouragement is less less begging and more just like, come on, you fucking prick, just <laughs> lift, lift the weight. But you know, you got to work for whatever works for the guest. So if it's you and you're yeah. you're the client and he's working like that, hey, I'm pretty sure at a certain point you basically go, fine, bitch, I'll pick this up. And then you do it, and you're just like, are you happy now? Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. you set a new PR. Great, sounds good. Yeah, fuck off. Exactly. Yeah, just a nice sarcastic tone the whole time. So where okay, let's this is your first time on the show. So we'll get into yeah. origin story. But no, we won't. I'm gonna press you on your ADCC after party because I promised that. What went on that you didn't talk about at the ADCC after party that you can talk about now? Because I'm pretty sure there's an NDA that like probably uh the time's lifted. It's almost a year now. What was the context? Was it just the, the just the debauchery in that? No, so when you were talking with uh, Charles, you were basically saying that at ADCC, there was a whole bunch of stuff that you saw, and you said that some of it you won't go into detail on, but then you stopped talking about it altogether. And as an actual good interviewer, my brain goes, well, what was it? Don't just, just fucking nose, introduce it. Nose, Tell us the, what it is. The nose beers, isn't it? It's probably the nose beers. So I guess Craig, Craig has uh, made it very clear what what the theme of the after party was and yeah it was yeah that's that was basically it i won't i won't just like name people one by one but you get the idea it was a, it was a christmas snowy themed after party <laughs> okay fair enough but like i said i just love the idea that you introduced it and this is how i know you guys are buddies because you just dropped it and moved on to questions and i was like fuck off talk about the thing you were talking about yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure if it was that bad, we would have just edited it out. Charles does a good job with the or does a good job with the editing where I wouldn't even notice that it's been cut unless you're watching it. So, yeah, we well, are. You, <laughs> sure are we you watching those episodes back in playback? Like, do you go back and rewatch after they've gone anything. on air? No, I wouldn't watch it. it takes too long. I, I think I've watched one with my girlfriend, and maybe like I've been in the car with someone else watching it but it's both the kind of weird scenarios just yeah did she have any notes for you? did she try to produce you and she was like you know what i need you to be a little bit more lively when you hit your jokes make sure to stare directly into the camera actually she uh <laughs> she works in pr so she said that you can't say that <laughs> like a lot of the things i i think now she just won't watch them because it'll be too horrifying Eh, I, I mean, I have to say this, though. I feel like PR for what you guys do across the pond, if you would, is a little different than our PR. I think in the U.S. we're a little more sensitive. But like y'all, I'm pretty sure 
uh, saying the word cunt doesn't really even like bat an eye. You just go like, oh, you didn't say the word. I'm really disappointed that you didn't say that. So there are certain words that translate here or there. And uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that your PR yeah. might be a smidge different. Yeah, I'm like it's stuff like saying like retarded or something like that. Like it's not meant to. Like, it's not like I just hate disabled people. It's just like it just means stupid, doesn't it? But it's just another way of saying it with a more specific emphasis on the physical attribute of the movie. Yeah, I, I mean, here's the other thing uh, that I try to remind people who, because I myself sometimes athletes will say things that I go, Ugh, "All right, here we go." They said it. I didn't. I'm in the clear yeah. pretty much, but they might look dumb. I just always try to tell people, I'm like, they're not role models. Don't look up to them. It, yeah. Just recognize that they don't give a shit. So even if you did try and tell them, like, hey, don't say that, they might have just accidentally said it. They, they may not even be thinking. They may not even say it all the time. But if yeah. you challenge them and you say, like, ooh, I don't want you to say that, what do you think they're going to do as competitive people? Just gonna mock you. Just They're just gonna, gonna do it more. You. They're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, fuck you." Now I'm gonna do it five more times. Now everybody's. And so you just look at it and you go, "Yeah, I I think there's a there's a rationale of intent and context." So uh, I get that part, but yeah, there's there's been plenty of people that I look at and I just kind of go, "Well, I'm not saying it, but they can do whatever they want." Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure we've made cuts before where there's been jokes that have just been like. And they were funny, but they, they didn't make the cut. Uh, yeah. Maybe just in case it's like a bit too, people get too sensitive. Or like, for example, maybe Charles has got a, a certain client and they're paying him a lot of money or something and Charles doesn't want to piss him off. So we'll take him out of the, uh, take him out of the video. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, uh, there was an interview E that I just had on the show recently. And uh, he's with a really good team and uh usually pretty squeaky clean kind of team and i looked at him and i said are you allowed to curse and he goes uh yeah i can curse if i want to and i go no no no. i'm just saying like on camera because i'm not editing this the way you come out is the way you come out and he goes oh yeah 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 you you can curse and those so i was like oh i don't need permission i'm just asking if it's bad for you <laughs> i'm gonna do whatever the fuck i want i just don't want yeah, you to have to fall out you. Like, this is more for your brand, not for me. Everybody knows what they're getting yeah. from me. Yeah, surely people don't mind swearing. You would be surprised. But it, I think that's, sometimes it comes down strange. to with the kids' classes, too. So sometimes when the guys... I had one guest who told me here, like, he's like, hey, man, I'm not going to curse much on the show. And I go, okay, that's your choice, not mine. He goes, yeah, I work on some kids' program. I swear to you, within the first three minutes of the show, fuck yeah, this is awesome, man. I was fucking beating the shit out of this guy. And I go, what happened to the kids program? And I go, no, that's who he is. And if any parent them kids. against them, fuck them kids. <laughs> that's the second sound, but we're pulling. All right. So let's get into origin story because I don't know where your jujitsu or martial arts journey begins. So where does it begin for you, sir? Uh, I started judo when I was four. Uh, at Wilsdon Judo Club, which is a club in London. There was a couple of people that went to the Olympics from there, so it was a good club. But it was also just a local club for me. Uh, and then I stopped that for like two years when I found discovered the internet, started playing RuneScape heavily. What a waste of time. And then uh, and then I looked for Judo again after a two-year hiatus, and I found uh, the Jiu-Jitsu Club, and I just... Like I was like, all right, they're wearing a gi and they're sparring, so that's all I care about. Can we start from standing? Yes. So I got my judo pro, and then I, and then I just get smoked after that. And then I started jiu-jitsu there under Felipe de Souza, who is a Brazilian under you know, Leo Teixeira. Yeah, and yeah, and and this other guy, Rory Quaria, who now lives in Argentina. Very strange. <laughs> Fair play, I guess. More, more sunny than that. Uh, and then went to university, trained under Craig Ewers from like purple to black belt. That was four years. And then once I left university, went back to London and just started training at open mats and just teaching random places. And now I've opened my club, Submission Grappling Club in London. 
in Hammersmith. And that's the only place I teach at other than just doing seminars on the weekends. And I guess teaching online with people's screens and that. Let's go back a little bit because I have a couple of follow-up questions here. So what you were doing is at the time you got derailed by playing video games is what I'm picking up here. Yeah, we got broadband like before that internet was just sort of that screeching dial-up thing. And then we got broadband and it it changed everything. (laughs) (laughs) And then eventually I got bored of the internet. Uh, Actually, my accounts got banned on RuneScape. uh, (laughs) Why did they get banned? About the same I was botting. I was cheating, basically, so just to save time. And uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is a huge admission. I want to find out more about this. This is where the true investigative journalism begins. What were you like doing actually, to cheat? What What exactly does that entail? Because I'm old. Yeah, I feel I don't like know exactly what that means. Okay, so it's a game where you got to like do th- repetitive things to get better at the game, All right? So rather than me clicking on some button a million times, I'll just do it overnight with some like robot that you download basically. And yeah, that, I like, it would be more shameful not to do that in a way. Cause that means you physically had to do all that random clicking just, just to enjoy the game. So yeah, I'm actually not ashamed of that. <laughs> I'd rather be banned. And also, yeah, it actually meant that I, I mean, I was basically getting bored of it anyway, but, it basically ensured that I would not be continuing playing on the internet. So does this mean you don't play video games at all anymore? Or did you create a new uh, alias and now you're like shine O'Flanagan uh, playing on the internet where they go like, wait, is that the same guy? It's the, the dream. You know, I, I play one, I have one game on my phone now, but yeah, I don't have like a, I don't have like a PS4 or something now. It's all, it's all just like one phone game and I don't really, I don't really have time to play video games realistically. Like I'll wake up, go to jiu-jitsu. My full day is just jiu-jitsu training, jiu-jitsu. And then I'll come back at night and like, I could play potentially video games at night, but it'd probably be pretty dangerous because I'd just stay up way too late. So just watch it on the TV and uh, yeah, watch like jiu-jitsu and that. If I get a games console, it's a bit risky. Good to know. And yeah. hold on, I'm going to make sure... Got caught cheating with steroids. Same thing. Um, Bots. (laughs) Yep. Take shortcuts. That's going to be the theme. Okay, got it. All right. So now that I've written that down, not important. I do want to know, because if you end up doing this as a career and you end up competing at a high level, there has to be a time when you fall in love with jujitsu. So when did you in particular fall in love with jujitsu? Well, like straight away. Uh, like I started jujitsu three days a week and then I added in judo two days a week. Like I restarted judo two days a week. And then after a while I was doing like three jujitsu and like five judo a week. Then I started doing Muay Thai. Bear in mind, I was like 13, 14, so I, was, I had loads of energy and I could just go. I was also like 52 kilos, so I guess it's, a, I guess it's easier to move around when you're that, that light. So, yeah, I was just keen on all, like martial arts and that. Not for, any, not for any particular reason. It's just like I used to enjoy judo and jiu-jitsu seemed like almost like a better version of that. So, yeah. When you say that these people were heading on over to the Olympics, was there ever a moment when you thought, man, if I stayed with that, maybe I could have been that competitive level? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Well, you only have to compete with other people in England if you want to go to the Olympics. If you want to actually win, then obviously you've got all the Georgians to deal with in that. But uh, yeah, like, I guess you don't realize when you're a child, like, all you have to be is consistent to get to the Olympics in your given field. Like even if you're not the best from the ages of zero to 15, you might start to be the best around 15 and become the best by your, by the time you're 20. Like basically the timeline's not always going to be the same. But when I started judo, we, we would go to competitions like very often, you know, and like as kids we'd go to, I don't know, for example, Belgium or something and do a competition, you know, wake up early in the morning, take a van at a horrible time and, go to this competition and fight same day or something and then and then drive back so i mean if i'd continued that i would probably have yeah 
been pretty good at judo as well. But it's not exactly it's not exactly fun. Also, my knees were fucked up. I had bursitis and I was like 11 years old. So I didn't feel great about doing judo. Damn. Okay. Bursitis yeah. at fucking 11, man. That's a rough life. Yeah. yeah. Well, I kept doing dropsy and oggies and like, I felt like every time I did it, my knee would just get worse and worse and worse. And yeah. And that was my throw. <laughs> well, that does suck when that does go away. So I was going to ask if you found yourself going back to judo, but if you end up having that kind of significant of a knee problem that young, you probably shy away from it a lot more, uh, especially when you start going into jiu-jitsu, correct? Yeah, it's also gi, so I'm not doing any gi. Got it. I used to do gi, so I'm not, I'm not going to do any judo, but I like using judo techniques in wrestling. It's just the uh, grips and like timing and you know that of all the moves is much harder when you don't have the gi. The gi grips are like multi-directional, I guess, whereas the no-gi ones, you can only really go in one direction. So if you miss the timing, it's just gone. Do you think that doing judo, then transitioning to jiu-jitsu and seeing the same kind of like kimono, if you would, did that inform you on being anti-gi or did that become something that developed over the years? And if so, why? Uh, I just started training Nogi to help my coach, uh, Nikki Robinson, uh, is one of my coaches as well, at, at one of my earliest schools when I was doing the Gi, and uh, yeah, and then I actually enjoyed it a lot more than, than uh, Gi, I realized also in the Gi, like when Wormguard was coming out, it just, it came a bit ridiculous, and people were just like heavily stalling for rounds upon rounds, and like, let's say it's a five minute round, you just about escape worm guard once in the row. You get put into worm guard, you escape worm guard. It's like, you may as well not have even trained. Like, nothing happened. And, uh, yeah, also, clothes don't really dry here because it's wet. That's the worst excuse I've heard for Keith. <laughs> I just love that you, you like, you, you gave the real answer, which was, I mean, I just don't like it. And then you threw out a lobbed, like, half-baked shot of... Oh, and it's cold here. Yeah, it's a fact. Like, well, come on, dude. It's cold it's in a lot of here. places, but people still trade it. And in fact, that's more reason that you would probably want to wear the gi because it's cold and it's an extra no, it's layer. It's wet here. It's wet. It's wet here. It's not. It's not necessarily cold. It's just wet. So if you try and dry your gi, like it's just, it's just not happening. Do you have like a, a dryer, like a washer and a dryer? Or do you guys just have washers? Yeah, but the dryer is kind of slow and, and apparently costly, so oh, I wouldn't go down Jesus that route. Christ. Oh. <laughs> Basically, I'm not I'm not doing fucking gee unless someone <laughs> pays me a lot of money. Hey, listen, I already accepted you as saying I don't like it. And to be fair, I I have an appreciation for both, but I have a preference. And if I have the choice, it's gonna be no gee. It's just I like the idea of understanding why people are so anti-something. And mm. you would kind of slipped it in there and be like, I would never be caught dead in a gi. And I go, all right, well, now we got to ask because I can yeah. understand the perspective, but I want to understand. Also, I feel like it's less healthy. It's less healthy, isn't it? For your like, fingers and lower back and your knees. I feel like there's a lot more talk in uh, gi than in no gi. The dangers of no gi are basically like heel hooks. I guess like the dangers traditionally and like maybe the fact that it's more slippery so more, more knees get fallen on but the fact that there's collar grips and like jumping clothes guard with collar grips in the gi and all the talk from the clothes makes it way more risky in my opinion i'll be honest and with like, you. Yeah. i don't think any of this is super healthy i think we just convince ourselves that like some of the health benefits of working out outweigh the clearly insane parts where it's like well i twisted a ligament as far as i could and then oops bad things happened so I think there's a lot of stuff that we convince ourselves like, no, this is a diet Coke. Therefore, it is healthy. Like, I think that's so You got to have a normal Coke afterwards to balance out. Absolutely. Listen, dude, I'm not going to get fat for no reason. I'm going to earn my calories. <laughs> thank you, sir. Okay. <clears throat> so you, you, you do fall in love with it. Uh, when did you know that you had kind of adapted a good sense of what jujitsu is like when did you feel that you had a breakthrough or that it was something that you were actually pretty good at 
uh, probably around when I was like orange or blue belt, I was I was able to tap some black belts in the gym uh, and just like generally do pretty well against most people. And like I felt like I was able to, let's say we're drilling and I've got a partner and they just show the whole move. Like they won't have a clue what was just shown. And I'll be like, well, like, why didn't why are you not able to reproduce the move that was just shown like two seconds ago? And yeah, that was basically my first clue that I feel like most of the jiu-jitsu community back then as well was like, maybe it was also because it, it was being taught in a foreign accent and a lot of the people in the club were literally, their first language wasn't English. So that could have been a big factor as well. But yeah, I also think being like super weak when I started and very flexible probably helped me understand like, good leverage and when you can actually get moves to work and when they don't work and like also being able to tap people much bigger than you are when you're like 14 or something and 50 kilos is uh yeah it's probably quite addicting i imagine well i want to ask about this because we are getting close to our time and i wanted to make sure i'm being respectful of it because I, i've learned you you gotta get your sleep you're gonna be up in the morning you're gonna be I'm back actually, at yeah, it, sir I'm actually not. On, I've got nothing to do, but wow. Okay, well, that's uh, a liar. And uh, uh, I normally would, but I uh, yeah, I'm injured, so there's no there's no training tomorrow morning. <laughs> what do you do when you're injured then? Because video games are out. So what does it become for you when you're kind of on the shelf? Just rehab as much as possible and watch jujitsu constantly. That's basically it. And I might play my my single single phone game if I'm extremely bored but that is like a very much a last resort yeah like i'll do like i'll reply to all my messages on instagram like that takes me like a good like two three hours sometimes <laughs> I, mean, I don't get injured like this very often <laughs> no i understand I, I definitely know what that is i would say if you do have this uh injury that keeps you off the mats is it the world's smartest idea to be ingesting more jiu-jitsu content? Now, I know we say it's a good time to take advantage of it, but I get the impression you might be there for more than a movie's length in terms of watching and digesting. Yeah, I watch matches, and I won't watch too much in one go. Like, once I start to zone out of it, I feel like there's, there's no point just having the competition sounds on in the background. So at that point, I'll change it off. Sometimes it'll be like, like MMA as well. I like to watch bits of MMA. I feel like the jiu-jitsu in MMA is very, like, odd and applicable in a way. It's like, what, I don't know, it's weird because they're all so much more athletic and the goal is always to get on top that you see you see some weird shit basically in MMA that you wouldn't normally introduce to. So, yeah, I watch that as well and that keeps me, keeps me busy. I feel bad because I do have a different tone that I use for <clears throat> some of our guys who fight MMA when I'm teaching than I do for my regular jiu-jitsu kids because they'll hear me be like, no, take your time, get your frames, we're good. And then when I go with the MMA guys, I'm like, fuck the frames, use all your fucking strength and get out. Spaz, yeah, yeah. do that shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If I've got MMA guys, I'll be, I'll, and I'm trying to teach them a move, I know that they're looking at me like, yeah, but I'm just going to get punched in the face here. So I'll try and be a bit like cognizant of that when I'm actually explaining the move. And I'll be like, well, I don't know about you, you but i imagine if i was in a fight here i'd just be punching them and uh <laughs> you know and i'll throw that in just so they know that i'm at least aware that i don't know anything about mma uh, well i always like to do it like this where i tell them i'm going to give you the jiu-jitsu portion and then let's say i get you to neon belly i hand you back to your coach like yep yeah. and off you go have fun yeah. how i prefer to do it with mma guys that let's say they come to our gym for a bit of sparring or something you're like I'll just like look at what they're doing often because often they're really good at just standing up. Like obviously yeah, they, they always do that in MMA, but like they might not be so good at just basic bits in guard that would make them stand up so much more safely. So when I get MMA guys like that, I won't try to teach them normal techniques. I'll just kind of look at what they do and be like, oh, you could try and do this and this and it might just be a lot, a lot easier for you to just stand up, which is most of the time they go. Yeah, Absolutely. I wanted to circle around to this because I, I was trying to get to this, which was you filmed a BJJ Fanatics instructional. What is the name of it again? Uh, it's called Sloppy Seconds Countering the Outside Passer. It's it's surnamed because the first one was called Downright Sloppy Half Butterfly. 
uh, to be honest, like we were getting pressured for a new name and sloppy seconds came up and that's what we sailed on. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I haven't, I don't know how well it's doing at the moment. Cause you know, you only find out the uh, sales after a month and it hasn't been out that long, but it's essentially like a DVD on countering people that are circling around and to North South. And I feel like it's a very popular thing to do at the moment is like circle around the garden, try and tire people out. So the idea of the, of the, uh, instructional is basically to use minimal energy and frames and keep your partner in range whilst they circle around you at different angles so you can pick off counterattacks. and yeah that's how I was playing and I was kind of like I saw Lachlan doing it in ADCC where he just accept the north-south position and I thought that was very interesting I was I thought I'd have a match with one of the Rutolo brothers so I spent ages working on it and uh, I think they had a contract with one or something so they couldn't we couldn't do the match but that was where the idea uh, started and yeah, it's probably pretty cheap. I don't even know. <laughs> this is a good selling point. I don't know. It's probably less dollars than someone cheap. else's DVD. Absolutely. Absolutely. I guarantee that. So you said some things that did interested, not interested. And this is how my brain works, okay? So I heard you're going to counter from that position uh, so that you're kind of getting out of north-south interested frames okay i'm kind of there uh so that way you don't have to expand energy i'll definitely hear yeah, minimal frames yeah so wait minimal frames here but minimal yeah, min energy or lots of energy as in you want to use minimal energy and minimal frames so that it has to be the correct frame and you want to do like minimal frames so that you can actually counterattack or you don't get someone jumping on your arm or something like that because here's what happens. Anytime I'm doing uh, guard recovery work, not interested is happening. And then... That's not recovery. So hold on. Stay with me here. I'm saying anytime I'm doing guard recovery. So you're telling yeah. me that your instructional makes it so that I can be interested and not be an idiot and actually make sure that I'm not just getting passed yeah. like an idiot. Yeah. It requires like a level of flexibility that is probably not out of the range of most people. I would say if you can bring your knees to like your shoulders then or your chest, like you should be you should be able to do everything in the DVD. And then following that, the more hamstring flexibility you have, the more hamstring like strength and flexibility, the, the better you'll be able to work at those sort of ranges. But the idea is just like normal outside guard play, but doing it off your partner making the first grips or off them being at an angle. So yeah, it's better than just re recovering guard because that can be kind of dry. Just dry, but just fucking annoying, man. Like <laughs> that's the worst part is you're you're still young. This is this is old. Guard recovery for old mm. people is just like I'm not gonna do this anymore. I'm I'm tired. Yeah, well, yeah. If, if it, <laughs> I understand that as well, like if it comes to it, just give up the side control. But but yeah, if you. I mean, it is a, definitely a very relaxing way of playing jiu-jitsu. I feel like it's mostly just abs and, and like, you don't even really have to chase people to make grips. You just let them circle around you and get the angle and then counter from there. It's like a very, very lazy way of playing if that's your, I mean, I'm extremely lazy. So that, that's like, that's like the perfect one. If you're super lazy get, get, and like flexible and that sort of thing, then yeah. See, this is the underserved demo that I've been craving. Like, if anybody literally just got the marketing and said, hey, are you fucking lazy? This is the yeah, instructional yeah. for you. I would 100% go, money, have it. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. This is how I do my jiu-jitsu. I want to be as lazy as possible. And like, let's say you're, it's, I would say it's pretty like abby, but you can always, like, as in using your abs a lot, but. You know, that just, just like the more attacking you want to be, the more you can use your abs. So you just vary it depending how lazy you are, how you feel that day. How long did it take you to produce this? Because normally when you buy one of these instructionals, it's it's hours of content. And all I could ever think of as a guy who works in actual production is, oh my God, that's a long ass fucking day. Was it over a couple days? Did you guys knock it out in one if so, how long did it take to create like the organizational charts or whatever for that? Yeah, mine is just like I'll think for like a couple months beforehand, and I'll just be tweaking the techniques. As I, and even now, like I'll look back at the DVD and be like, "Oh, I wish 
like I wish I'd put thrown this in as well. Like I wish I'd shown this this slightly different variation and that sort of stuff. So that's why, I'm, <clears throat> in a way, I always prefer to like plug newer instructionals because you look at the old ones and you think it's just out of date or like I do it slightly differently now. But it took me probably since before September or just about September uh, to be working on that guard and like adapting the stuff I would normally do on against people on their knees for people who are standing. And yeah, like actually filming it. I think we did like two instructionals in three days. So about one and a half days each. Uh, me and this other guy, Christian, he did a judo instructional. Something about judo and jiu-jitsu. I'm, I'm sure it, it like, I can't, I can't remember the exact name, but the instructional was judo for jiu-jitsu. Uh, yeah, you can check that out as well. Were you the uke for that? I was unfortunately the UK. Oh no. I see. That's where I got confused because I saw that you were the UK and then it almost, because I knew you were putting out your own, I go, is he the UK for his own instructional? And if so, how the fuck does that work? (laughs) Just how to break for. Yeah. No, I had to, I didn't have to be the UK, but I did it as a favor because obviously I'm a fucking great UK because I can actually break for, (laughs) Uh, and yeah, and to be fair, like he threw me nicely, like most of the time, I guess some of them it's very hard to like keep someone's weight off the floor, but where he could, he did to be fair to him. I think he got like $200. Oh God. I think you need to cut a better deal then. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, it was a favor. Uh, well, God bless you guys in your favors. Cause, uh, my, my back does me no favors on a regular basis so if i'm ever doing something for somebody else it's usually like yeah i can't help you move hire movers nope yeah, it's not crazy. doing that well i don't have a driving license so i'm pretty used to this in that regard if anyone asks me for a lift it's a no why don't you have a driver's license uh i just don't need one i i live in london so it's either taking the tube aka the subway or <laughs> taking uh the bus or taking one of those electric bikes. Okay. But did it ever cross your mind to maybe get one? Because I understand you don't functionally yeah. have to have one, but like most people yes. do get a driver's license. So when that happens it's and let's coming. say you're stranded. Coming soon. Oh, coming soon. It's coming soon. Maybe in the new year. I'll, I'll, Cause I've been busy this whole year and the last year. So there's no time for that, but, this year coming, I will make time for a driving license. Do you feel that you didn't get a driver's license because there was no bot that could do most of the footwork for you? Is there a bot that can do the footwork for me? Wow. The fact that you had to ask that says a lot about you here on. Well, yeah, I'd be interested. I mean, <laughs> I would like a driving license. I'm, I'm sure I could drive. <laughs> If if pushed, I'm sure I could drive a car, but I'm just saying, I, I think like, at this like point now your your best bet is probably just to get a self-driving Tesla. And uh something that like a self-driving car for you is probably the most up uh your alley, I think. Do you still need a license for that? That's a great question. I think you do because surely I think the just way the that they they make that work is they go, hey, listen. Uh, this Tesla crashed into a tree, but you're a human. You're on it. This is your fault. Yeah, okay, yeah. But if I don't have a driving license, it's not my fault. See, that's why I like the electric bikes, because you can go through red lights and that, and, and, you know, you don't have to actually accelerate on your own, so it's perfect. There's There's no license plate on them either, so it's like the ideal way of getting around London. That's very funny. I like that's that's one of the things you considered was no license plate on this crime i can well, yeah, of course yeah. <laughs> yeah. well yeah yeah or else i wouldn't use them would i oh and i have to say this like i saw your matches at adcc you know obviously i keep my eyes on all the people who qualify and it's always hard to introduce yourself when I know the world is inundating you and flooding you, but you've been on our radar so much to the point where somebody bitched at me that I didn't bring on Ashley Williams, who's been on our show multiple times, and you a while back. So you have been on our radar for a bit. 
and you have continued to do amazing things. And uh, I've been very, very happy to watch from afar on not only your success competitively, but the way that you have been branching out your stuff, the way that you are now having success as a podcaster, and the way that you are having success as a uh, instructional, what do we call them? Guy? Yeah, instructional guy. Is that what we're going with now? Um, but, formal name. <laughs> formal name, indeed. But I just wanted to say congratulations to you on all those endeavors, sir, because uh, you're, you're doing a great yeah. job, and I, I see a nice trajectory continuing for you. Yeah, let's hope. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, it's been, it was a good year. It was also very tiring, uh, <laughs> and I didn't have many rest days. So, yeah, I just, like, continue as I have been, hoping for the best. And yeah, hopefully I get fed some more cans instead of really hard matches so I can continue building a name. I don't want special. you to beat up cans, bro. I, I, I want you. I mean, listen, if it's trials, I want you to get cans. But here's the issue. Yeah. Somebody's going to clip this and be like, hey, he called me a can. I'm going to be like, well, I called the theoretical person he's facing a can, not you a can. So yeah, yeah. of course. Um, what I like to do at the end of the interview is I like to give our guests an opportunity to shout out their team. Uh, any sponsors they have, anybody that they want to take care of who's been helping them, uh, be it in jiu-jitsu or outside of it. So the camera is going to go straight on you. Look directly into it and give a shout-out to any of those people should you choose. Cool. All right. I'll zoom out of my face. Uh, all right. Well, I will start by shouting out my club, Submission Grappling Club. It's got underscore spaces between the words if you would search on Instagram. It's in West London in Hammersmith and yet. Yeah, Fucking great. What can I say? Uh, other than that, I have three instructionals on BJJ Fanatics. You can watch them. It's basically like an accumulation of stuff that I stole from other instructionals that I pirated and then put it together. So if you want to buy that, that's on you. Uh, what else? I oh, yeah, my sponsors, Rain Clothing, Battle Soap Co. If you want to get soap and that. Rain Clothing is a clothing company. Uh, Rolls and rehab. If you live in London and want to get like rehab on your injuries, not for drugs, then go to him. And no fat marketing. Uh, yeah, basically does does what it says, just marketing. So if any of those interest you, oh, and, and Charles Enterprise obviously does weights and that. So if you want to get strong, go to Charles. And that is basically everyone, other than like close family, but it's kind of weird to shut them out here. What a sweetheart. I love that you shouted out Thanks. your podcast co-host. That's so nice of you. He's, he's my S&C coach. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you're taking care of the brand as well, but taking care of the brand also takes care of the show. So it, it does serve a purpose. So, Sick. Yeah, uh, I also want to say, yeah. what the, the roles in rehab, that's a great name. Who is behind that one again? That's, uh, that's the PT guy, Lawrence. Uh, yeah, roles and rehab. That's that's sorry, not not PT guy. That's the rehab guy, Lawrence. Yeah, great name, exactly. Catchy as fuck. Fair play. We do like functional range conditioning, that sort of stuff. Uh, so leave like the bulk work to Charles, and then with him, we'll do more like weird sort of shit, you know, to get the either little niggling injuries or just like general bits of mobility I want to improve. That's what's up, man. Well, here's what I'm going to say to you. Owen, oh, I'm going to say bye to you off air. So if you don't mind sticking around for just a second, I'm going to close this bitch up. No but again, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. I thank wish you. you a speedy recovery, good sir. Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on as well. No problem. All right. Let's just close this dumb thing up. Boom, back to me. Hey, guys, thank you so much for watching. I appreciate you. Don't go anywhere. Like, subscribe, comment. You made it all the way throughout this video. You owe me one of those things. And I'm not trying to hijack you and tell you, like, bam, you owe me. Like, I'm just saying, like, come on. Be a good guy. Or gal. Though statistically, we look at the numbers. It's all dudes. The women who tune in, I don't know why. But, hey, listen, we love you being here. We wish more of you would show up. I just know our demos, dudes. So, dudes, in the comment section, even if you didn't like this interview, tell me what steroid you think that Owen is on. Ta-da. Bam. That's a good one. That's going to be a good comment because I'll definitely enjoy reading what you guys are trying to accuse this very, very nice man of being on. And why would any of you insinuate that? That's rude of you. But two, if you haven't become a member yet, head on over to high.page backslash grappling hour. Become a member of our community. Five 
$5 a month to see these interviews 30 days before anybody else. And if you pay a few dollars extra, you can see some of our bonus content, extra episodes, tape studies, breakdowns, some of my rolling footage. And yes, we have a segment where guests come on and roast my competition footage because it's not great. It's not, but it can be funny if the guest is funny. Sometimes they're not, but it depends. Anyways, I like it. I think it actually is pretty funny whenever we had it. Uh, Miha Perevic actually just came on and roasted some of my competition footage and it was actually pretty funny in my opinion. All right. And what's the last one? Discord. Join that one. The Grappling Hour. Thank you guys so much for your time. I appreciate you and uh, we will see you on the next one. It's been a great day for grappling. We'll see you on the mats.